Before we get started, I'd like to say a big thanks to our listeners. We asked for your help in covering the costs of a SoundCloud premium account and you came up trumps. You can now find the podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher and Deezer. We said that any monies we made past the original total would be past the Airdre ladies. So far, that's just £60. The ladies team needs to raise £4,500 to meet their costs this year and we'd like to aim for 450 So please, if you like the podcast, click on the link in the Facebook page and donate £10 towards the ladies. Only the Lonely Over the close season, we plan to bring you some interviews which are different to what we normally do. First up, Stuart Miller, new director of football, joined me to speak about his life in football and what he's been up to since he joined Airdrie on the 1st of April. Delighted to welcome uh, to to the show Stuart Miller. Stuart, this is kind of third time lucky. We were supposed to do a and a with you before, uh, I think before a Stranraer game at the end of last season that got cancelled and then we were supposed to speak but I couldn't find all my recording equipment uh, in the house. That's correct, Colin. Yes, I had. Unfortunately, the Stranraer game was cancelled that day, uh, maybe about a year or so ago. Uh, and then because you live in the Victorian time, you didn't have the proper... <laughs> Uh, equipment to carry out interviews, so we'll try this. You know, maybe you wish you had you, you had the Victorian equipment when, <laughs> when you listened to me. Oh, th- third time lucky, and uh, actually, the last thing we were due to speak was the day before the hybrid model got announced. So it's probably a blessing in disguise because the interview had been out of date before I had it edited. Um, so that's probably worked out quite well. Um, Stuart, you've you had involvement with Airdrie years ago, which some people know about, but some won't. So you were a player. When was that? How did I end up being an Airdrie player? It was pretty simple. That that uh, I followed the kind of conveyor belt from Calderville High School, where 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 Sandy Clark and Norrie Anderson uh, previously had 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 successfully played for Airdrie and continued to play for Airdrie. Uh, I was, I suppose, kind of cherry-picked by Peter Russell at the time, uh, a, a man that, that was very well respected in coaching circles. And uh, Peter obviously highlighted me as a, a potential player for Airdrie. Bearing in mind, uh, I was at Celtic Boys Club for four or five years and I'd signed schoolboy forums with Celtic. But... Uh, I still ended up going to Airdrie. I remember uh, Jimmy Ferguson, the, the assistant rector at Calderville, saying to me, well, what is it you want to do when you leave school? And I said, well, you know what I want to do? Uh, I said, that's play football. And uh, he managed to convince me that Airdrie was the place for me. So, And I was delighted to, to sign for Airdrie as a 16-year-old in 1981. And it's not an easy career football, um, but you've managed to keep yourself 
busy from then till now, really. Um, can you talk, give us a, a kind of whistle-stop tour of... Uh, I mean, you had a playing career that took you to a number of Scottish clubs, a spell in Cyprus, and then a, a number of non-footballing roles since early 2000s. So, so what have you been up to? If you've got a spare hour or two, I will try and uh, take you through it, but I'll try and do the shortened version if it's possible for me to do a shortened version. Uh Airdrie from 1981 to 84, 85. Uh, delighted to score my debut for Airdrie against Infermline. Uh, there were terrific times, obviously, at Brunfield. Uh, I was starstruck with the players that I was playing with. You know, the Sandy Clarks, Norrie Andersons I've mentioned earlier, John Martin. You, you know, uh, Jim March, people like that, Jim Roger, just great, great characters, Brian McKeown, I mean, it just runs off the tongue, it really does, you know, and, and uh, I played under Bobby Watson at Airdrie, who was a terrific motivator, uh, Bill Monroe came after Bobby, uh, Bill was never really kind of appreciated by the Airdrie supporters, I suppose, because the results weren't particularly good, but in all honesty, Bill was an excellent coach. He, he did terrifically well at Clyde Bank, came to Airdrie, and as I said, it didn't quite work out for him. Uh, I think the biggest problem he had was Sandy was sold to West Ham uh, and he brought in Blair Miller. Now, Blair was a very popular figure in the Airdrie dressing room, obviously my namesake and, and a smashing guy, but I think the supporters expected Blair to, to repeat what Sandy had done. And quite frankly, that was an impossible task uh, after what Sandy had achieved at Airdrie. And, and uh, as I said, Bill eventually left. And unfortunately for me, uh, Ali McLeod came in. Again, Ali is uh, a likeable chap amongst the Airdrie fans. Uh, I've got, I don't want to be disrespectful to anybody, but certainly not in my eyes. Uh, unfortunately, I, t I had to leave Airdrie because of, of Ali McLeod. Uh, I just, there was no interaction, there was nothing there. Even the players will tell you at the time, we never trained, we just played practice matches. But again, as I said, that, that, that's in the past and, and, and the past will remain. Uh, and I went on loan to Blackpool. Uh, from Airdrie for a couple of months. Uh, those months were December and January, and I got the impression that Ali didn't really want me at Airdrie. <laughs> so uh, I then, after I was on loan at uh, Blackpool, uh, Archie Knox phoned me and, and asked me to sign for Dundee, which, which I did. I spent a year at Dundee, and then got released by Dundee, and went to Montrose uh, for a season, a very, very enjoyable season. Uh, didn't realise Montrose was quite a distance away, but but I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was in the second tier of Scottish football. Uh, Doug Sumner, uh, again, a well-respected figure in Scottish football, he used to pick me up at the, the Bridgewood in Chapel Hall. I've been a Chapel Hall boy. 
uh, and, and drive me up to Montrose for the game. So we had a great time. We kept Montrose in the division at that point. I remember scoring against Airdrie a couple of times that season. But, but more importantly for me, I remember scoring the goal that relegated Air United, who by this point was under the management of Alan McLeod. And, and uh, funnily enough, I was I was at the uh, the trust night where your your former schoolmate Nori Anderson had a, a similar experience to you with Alan McLeod at Airdrie, oh, only to move to Air and then have him arrive again. <laughs> so correct, absolutely. I Nori. I know Nori and Jim March obviously shared the same stories. Jim March was left here and went to Air and was uh, player of the year at Air. But unfortunately for Jim, Ali appeared at the end of that season. <laughs> so Jim March, March, you told me that was the end of me because I listen. Other people will speak very highly of. Ali and, and you've got to be respectful of what he achieved in the game but I can only tell you you know our own personal experiences and and they weren't they weren't a particularly enjoyable time then uh, and but again you know it gave, gave me great satisfaction to, to score the goal for Montrose against there that relegated Air United that season and because I did well at Montrose uh, Craig Brown signed me for Clyde, I was his last signing before he, he left to, to take the Scotland assistant manager's job with Andy Roxburgh. He does tell people to this day that he knew he'd made a mistake signing me and he had to go. <laughs> so uh, I can totally understand that. I did great three years at Clyde, playing 100 games and, and, and just just a terrific club at that point. Uh, we were playing at Fir Hill. Uh, they'd obviously left Shawfield and just a terrific club. Absolute terrific club, and I played all my hundred matches under John Clark. Uh, unfortunately, I, I picked up a couple of injuries in the, the last season there, and and the club decided to let me go. It's worth pointing out that during the three years at Clyde, I actually thought I was coming back to Airdrie. At one point, uh, I had agreed to 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 come back under Gordon McQueen. Mm-hmm. I think it would be about 1987, 88. Uh, the problem Gordon McQueen had at that point was that a tribunal w- w- was introduced regarding transfer fees. If you couldn't agree a transfer fee with obviously another club, uh, you could go to the tribunal. And Gordon McQueen couldn't agree a transfer fee with Clyde for me. And he was also interested in Kenny McDonald. I think probably from Forfar at the time, and he decided, thankfully for from Airdrie's point of view, to go to the tribunal for Kenny McDonald, which meant he couldn't go for me. So my opportunity to return to Airdrie as a player was gone, something that I was deeply disappointed about. But again, you know that that that's life, and you've just got to go on with it. Uh, in '89-'90, I went to Cyprus. Uh, an opportunity just arose uh, and I was asked if I'd be interested in going to Cyprus. Uh, I went over, had a a look and I played a couple of trial matches. Uh, I must have done okay because there was a couple of clubs that had offered me a contract. One was Apoel Nicosia and the other was Evagoras Paphos. I decided to go to Paphos which again is a lovely place and uh, I returned a, two or three years later with my wife Catherine for our honeymoon. Uh, just a, a, a superb location. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed my spell in Cyprus. 
uh, financially it was rewarding for myself, but also it gave me a chance to to, to, to naturally play abroad. I played against our Bucharest uh, for in the UEFA Cup for 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 Paphos, and and I scored in a six. I scored a consolation goal in a six-one defeat. So uh, just made great memories from Cyprus but ultimately I was there myself I wasn't married at the time and and, and I came back I returned home and I signed for Alawa uh, then went to Dumbarton uh, where, where I ended my career at Dumbarton and then managed to get into the juniors and so on I think that's enough just now Colm yeah, is it no, not? That's, a, that's great it's really <laughs> interesting to hear Stuart and I mean there's a there's a load of famous names there's Alan McLeod there's Craig Brown there's Archie Knox so there's there's a whole yes. load of top coaches uh, yep. What? how much do you think playing in, in different structures and your stint in Cyprus and, and even down in Blackpool as well how mm-hmm. do you think that shaped you when you then went into non-footballing roles? It's like everything else, Colin. That you take what you've learned in the past, you know, and, and take the best, the best bits out of of each manager and coach. I mean, you can look at nobody was a better motivator than Bobby Watson. To be totally honest, I mean, Bobby was so enthusiastic, and and I still believe the achievement, you know, of keeping it not just winning promotion to the Premier League, but keeping Airdrie in the Premier League was a a fantastic achievement. So Bobby's enthusiasm with the greatest respect Bobby wasn't really a coach as such it was just a motivator you know but you wanted to play for him where somebody like Craig Brown was very much into coaching and organization and formations and uh, you know you learn so much from these type of guys Archie Knox again with respect was more I'm not using the word bullying because I don't mean to use that, but it was more kind of loud and in your face, uh, you know, and 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 you know, and and the will to win, the attitude, you know, all that kind of stuff, you know, that that's what Archie was about, uh, you know. But in in, in Cyprus, I, I actually the Cypriot national manager, uh, and and again, it was difficult with the language. Uh, because at that particular time there was only two foreign players allowed and, and it was myself and the captain of Zaire uh, so the language was a bit of a barrier but again you take the good from from most of them and, and you learn the bad as well you know I learned throughout you know my coaching and management uh, and, and even in the current role that you don't treat people the way I was treated at certain times during my career you know, the they days are gone. You can't do that and you wouldn't want to do it. Treat someone how you would like to be treated. Uh, and, and I've found throughout the years, and anybody that knows me, just be honest. If you're honest with people, that then yeah, you can tell the story 30, 40 times because you're telling the truth. But I think people respect your honesty uh, and, 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 and your values. Uh, so so the, these all these things joined together uh, is things that I've learned throughout the years and since I think 2003 you've had a number of non-footballing roles um, most closely mm-hmm. linked to Stranraer I think it's fair to say um, but, yes. but what so you've had and I think you've had a mix of assistant manager manager mm-hmm. uh, yep. scout chief scout director of oh, football at Airdrie so what what 
all have you done? <laughs> what do you enjoy about? Well, well Stranraer, it's worth pointing out, Stranraer's a wonderful small club, uh, you know, and I'll be forever indebted to Stranraer for, for various opportunities. Uh, I went there in 2003 under Neil Watt. Uh, uh, Neil was just a terrific guy that I knew again through my Celtic Boys Club experience many years ago but also uh, in, in football in general Neil was well respected he was manager of Think It Mary Hill Juniors at the time and he asked me if I would become his assistant at Stranraer and I was absolutely delighted that, that, that I did because it was the most successful period that, that Stranraer ever had and the most successful period that certainly I had at the time because we went there and we won, we won the uh, League Two uh, with a record points tally that only Gretna bet, uh, only Gretna, uh, bet the following year and then we won promotion the following year into what you would call the championship. So it's Stranraer's highest ever place in Scottish football was what Neil as manager and, and me doing a wee bit to try and help him uh, achieved. Uh, so th that was terrific times at Stranraer. Uh, after Stranraer, uh, Again, it's very difficult because the, the travelling to Stranraer takes a lot out of you. I think we've said before that, that three years at Stranraer is equivalent to six or seven elsewhere uh, because of that travelling. Uh, but we were fortunate enough that we went a year undefeated at Stranraer and, and made a terrific bunch of boys. Uh, so that was a most enjoyable experience. Uh, which again was always going to end because and and it ended on our own terms. You know, you think that no, we've took them as far as we can, and it was time to move on. We went to Air United. Neil got the manager's job at Air, and we went there. That that was a big mistake, especially when one of the journalists asked me right away, "Well, you played under Ali McLeod at Airdrie. What did you think of him?" Uh, but so I, I don't think that off to the best start thankfully Have you been honest all that, the time Stuart? <laughs> well I was trying to be honest but to be fair uh, I, I, I kept a wee bit to myself on that occasion you know uh, but Air United was just we, we, we were only there six or seven months we, we'd got to the semi-final of a Challenge Cup uh, and we left the club a point off the playoff position. It just aired United's expectations uh, and what actually was reality was was night and day. Uh, one of our coaches, Brian Reid, ended up taking over. Brian got them promoted, I think, a couple of times, but he also got them relegated a couple of times. So, but for me at that time, that was Air United. They weren't a championship team, but they weren't a League One team either. They were kind of caught in between the middle. Maybe somewhere that happened, something that happened to Airdrie, maybe in, the, you know, in 2000 and whatever, you know, they weren't quite good enough at one time to be a championship side, but far too good to be a League One side. So uh, Air United, I didn't enjoy the experience at all. Uh, and Again, through our own choice, we decided to, to leave. Upon leaving Air United, I got a phone call, and it was one of the best phone calls I've ever received. It was from George Adams, who was director of football at uh, Ross County at the time. And George phoned me 2008 and said, I'd like you to come and help Derek. 
his son, who was obviously going to be getting the, the, the Ross County manager's job at the time. I said I didn't want to go full-time or anything like that, uh, and we agreed that I would become the chief scout, and absolutely thrilled that I did do that. We ended up in 2010 getting to a Scottish Cup final. We won a Challenge Cup. Uh, we won two titles. We won a League Two and a League One. Sorry, a League One and a Championship. Uh, Derek took Ross County to fifth place in the Premier League, and in between times, I decided to take the manager's job at Clyde. Again, a mistake in my part. A familiar pattern, this, you know, but wrong choices. I hope I'm over my wrong choices, but I decided to, to become the manager of Clyde in 2010. And again, it was a very difficult time for Clyde. Uh, the amount of money that was owed to North Lancashire Leisure, the rent they were paying each month, it just it was an impossible task. And it was one of those ones that I knew after a couple of weeks that I'd made a mistake and I was kind of begging Ross County to take me back. And was it the emotional attachment to Clyde that made you take the job? Very much so, very much so, but it wasn't the Clyde that I knew. The Clyde I knew were owned by the Dunn family. Uh, They were just a family atmosphere with the greatest respect again to Clyde, and and, and I'm thrilled that they're they're back up to League One, probably where where they belong, Uh, and and I got on ever so well with Alan Moore and Danny Lennon, and, and I was the first to congratulate Danny when they got promoted so I'm thrilled for them but I had a bad experience as manager don't get me wrong it's all about winning games but you've got to have the resources to try and win games and and I didn't have that unfortunately we couldn't afford pre-match meals or anything my wife had to make sandwiches uh, ironically, never ever get paid for them, and we, we 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 supplied the players with them, and when they bust to away matches and such like, uh, I remember I was never allowed to use the pitch at Broadwood. Uh, one, I remember one night uh, I had the players at the side of the the pitch on the ash. Uh, doing some running and, and somebody from North Lancashire Leisure came out and said, sure, you can't do that. I said, why not? Uh, that's one of your lets away. Uh, there's only enough lets to cover to cover the games, this the home matches this season. So, so you know, just things like that, you know, and, and it just was a difficult, it was disappointing when Jim Duffy's first training session, who replaced me, uh, Jim's first training session, as you can imagine, was on the pitch. You know, so just things like that. A bad, bad experience. I don't hold any grudges towards Clyde. It just wasn't the Clyde that I knew. Uh, ultimately, my results weren't good enough, as I said, you know, with the resources that I had available to me. You know, I was I, my budget was as little as what Alvin Rovers was at the time. To be honest, you know who were who were uh, making miracles under Paul Martin. So that was so that that that, that took his call into to the Clyde, but as I said, I went back to Ross County, had a fabulous experience there. Unfortunately, Derek, you know, with politics at Ross County. The chairman got rid of Derek, and I think it was about 2014. And I was fortunate enough again to 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 land on my feet, and I went work work for West Brom for a year, 
under Tony Pulis. I was the, the chief scout in Scotland for West Brom, uh, and that was a terrific experience again. Uh, even at my age, you're still learning things, and to be associated with an English Premier League club was terrific. Uh, but I was missing, I was missing something. I, I, I didn't quite know that I was getting kind of. I knew I wasn't getting kind of listened to much. I was really just a kind of a, a name or a number up in Scotland. And, and uh, Stephen Aitken got the, the Dumbarton manager's job, and he asked me to come in as head of recruitment. And I went there for two years, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was a successful two years because Dumbarton stayed in the, the championship for a part-time club. It was quite a remarkable time. And we're fortunate enough to to recruit a number of of right good players. You know, Jamie Lindsay, Joe Thompson. You know, Sam Wardrobe all came all came from Celtic. I took Eamon Brophy from Hamilton and loan. Ali Roy came in from Hearts and loan. You know, Daniel Harvey came in from Aberdeen and loan. Left back is now at United. We brought in Lewis Vaughan and loan. Uh, who ended up actually relegating yeah, uh, yeah. Wraith uh, <laughs> Rovers, his, his own club, uh, brought Christian Nadia in and loan from Hamilton. Uh, it was just a terrific time. We, we were very fortunate that the recruitment was good, and, and uh, but it was also a bit easier because Dumbarton were in the championship, uh, and they also... Uh, they also had a good location as well, so clubs were keen, you know. Uh, Ross McCrory came in as well, he came in, you know, and, and did exceptionally well for Dumbarton at the time, you know. So, yes, we, we were kind of we delighted with the job that got done at Dumbarton, but ultimately, I got a call from Stevie Farrell, who'd been the assistant manager at Dumbarton, who took the job at Stranraer. So after two years, I felt, well, I've kind of done my stint here, and, and, and I went to Stranraer as director of football. Again, you know, it's something that I most certainly did not regret. I thoroughly enjoyed my two years at Stranraer. It was testing times because financially the club were in a, a difficult position and uh, I was asked to, 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 to cut wages and, and, and basically get rid of players, the higher earner players, which I had to do unfortunately, but Stranraer still finished fifth last season or the season before rather and as I said, a month before the end of the season uh, the call came in from, from Airdrie and I met the, the, the club owners and must have asked about 100 questions and they answered every single one and and ultimately you know I was absolutely thrilled to to come back to Airdrie and still still are thrilled you know so th this is my dream job at the present Colin. That's great to hear and you, you joined the 1st of April you've had a, a very busy couple of months and there's been lots uh, lots of updates for the, the fans um, can you go through some a, a few of the things then so a hybrid model uh, I mean, you've spoken there, you've got a wealth of experience, you've a part-time, full-time Premiership, English Premiership, Scottish League One, um, so you've seen loads. Hybrid model's probably not very, well, it's not very common. What no. advantages do you think that potentially gives us next year in, in, in League One? Well, we're, ho we're hoping it does give us an advantage in the first place. There's no point doing it if it's not going to give us an advantage, but we, we, we certainly... 
Wraith were very successful with it a few years ago when they won League One and they got to the semi-final of a, a Scottish Cup. Uh, Hamilton have done it in the past as well. Uh, these are all things that I mentioned at the time. Uh, but the, the, the underlying thing was, Colin, that we, we've got a full-time manager with part-time players. And we felt, I always felt it was more difficult to attract players when they were full-time because they want to remain full-time. You know, you'll always have your part-time players that, that you can attract if, if, if you're trying to be successful. But it was always difficult. Players that are full-time want to remain full-time, even if it's less wages, you know. So we felt that we could introduce a, a bit of a mixture. I know Airdrie tried it a, a few years ago. I accept that. And it was completely full-time. Uh, I think at that particular time, there was a number of young lads, obviously, uh, uh, employed. But there was also, like Neil Parry, who, again, I highlighted at the time. Neil Parry was a very, very good goalkeeper for Airdrie, but he had to leave because, quite frankly, full-time didn't suit him. So he went, ended up going to Allah and he's done very well. So we just feel, with the mixture of both, we we feel that... that, 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 that uh, a, the players can be fitter, they can be organised, they can be made more aware of, of of what's happening on the pitch. But it's but it's a chance for the young lads to develop. Ian Murray is an excellent coach, uh, but we need to give him the players to try and coach. And and if he coaches uh, the young boys, they will improve day in day out. I've also told the young boys that he'll be watching you. You know, he's in your eye all the time. So if you're doing well, he'll know you're doing well. We're, we're in the part-time situation every Tuesday, every Thursday, you know, and, and even at present, James Grant, the reserve manager, takes the reserve player. So they're not really getting a chance to impress the manager other than, obviously, reserve matches. And sometimes the reserve matches are the same night as the first team training. So it's just it's trying to be more professional, have a structure in place, uh, a, yes, for recruitment, it's easier to recruit players when, when you have got that sort of model. Although one player turned me down the other day because they told me they wanted to join a, 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 not a real full-time club, but a complete full-time club. So sometimes you can't win in these instances. But 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 we just believe that, 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 that with all these attributes I'm talking about, that, that we should be up there challenging, trying to get out of this division. And what's the split going to be? So for the signings so far, and I appreciate it's a, it's a moving feast, it's been mainly younger players, reserves, academy prospects, the young talent that you've picked up from elsewhere have been announced as full-time. And Adam Eckersley signed today, very experienced uh, player, but I think he's on the, the part-time model. So... Are the older players, do you think, more likely to be part-time or will it be a mix? And then day-to-day, will the training for everyone be a Tuesday, Thursday night um, and but the full-time guys doing maybe like Monday, Wednesday, Friday or whatever, and just that kind of smaller squad? No, it's a valid question and, and I can 
I can obviously answer these questions. Uh, what you've missed out is Callum Ford I signed tonight as well, Colin. So you'll need to do your facts before you <laughs> So, uh, so Callum Ford I signed from from Queen of the South earlier on tonight. So we're delighted to get Callum on board again. He's 26, nearly 27. So bags of experience. Uh, yes, I know it looks to the, to, to the fans that. We, we obviously wanted to recruit uh, the best players in our opinion and the academy coaches' opinion. Scott Black and his coaches and the reserves, uh, James Grant. Uh, we wanted to recruit the best from the academy uh, as well as the best from the reserves. All these lads were given an opportunity to be full-time or part-time. It is always easier, with the greatest of respect, to, to, to get a younger one because most of them are still staying with their parents. Most of them are local as well, so they've not got overheads of that we've all got mortgages, you know, paying insurance and cars and, 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 and expensive wives and things like that, so uh, our family. So it was always easier to try and uh, entice the younger lads, and we're delighted that they seen it as an opportunity to to come and 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 basically be a professional footballer, and again trying to impress the manager day in day out. Uh, I think we all would have loved that opportunity at 16, 17, 18 years of age, you know. So so from from that point of view. Uh, that was slightly easier to convince. The difficulty is convincing the more experienced ones because although we put, we're paying a, a very decent full-time wage, we're certainly not the highest earners. Plus, we're in League One. Uh, that, 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 that's a difficulty. If, if, if an experienced player, and we're talking about somebody in the mid-20s, late-20s, uh, that have been full-time, if, if, if a championship team comes in, they're going to go to the championship. It's as simple as that. They don't want to play in League One, let's be honest about it. So we've got to try and attract them, A, by location, B, by ambition. It's certainly not by, by salary because we, we are paying a very decent wage. But as I said, we're by no means the highest earners. You know, you, there, there's every club in the Championship, the full-time clubs in the Championship could pay more than us. But we do pay a, a very decent part-time wage. So... You've got to weigh everything up. Somebody like David Hutton, for example, signed a new contract. There's no point offering David Hutton at 34 years of age a full-time contract. You know what? What is the point? Uh, he's got a decent and you job. That, I mean, that was and that was a mistake with Parry, wasn't it? I mean, that was, exactly. That was mad. He's, he's, yeah. aye, it was absolutely crazy. David, who did exceptionally well last season for for the club, is 34. You're not going to offer him a full-time contract. What, what can be gained from offering guys at 29-30 a full-time contract? You can't develop them as players at that age. And they're not going to give up whatever job they may have to go and be full-time for a year. That, that is just foolish. And financially, we can't afford to pay them what they're getting from from their proper job during the day mm -hmm. and what they're getting as a part-time wage. You just can't compete with that. So so you have to try, as I said, get the younger ones on board and then bring in the more experienced ones. And those more experienced ones come from players that have been used to being full time. Uh, they can't, as I said, you know, it's better, it's better the kind of mid-20s players uh, where 
uh, you can bring that experience, but there's also a chance that they can still develop. So uh, what with Adam Eckersley was a wee bit different because he's 33, you know, and he he's very similar to what I'm saying about David Hutton. There's no point Adam being full time. He, he realised himself uh, six eight months ago that and he started a job, and he realised that that he had to look to see what was outside football because he wasn't going to be a full time footballer, uh, for, you know, forever more. So Adam. Adam obviously has been clever enough to go and get another job, wanted to stay in football uh, to be part-time uh, and with his job it meant that he, he, he didn't want to travel as much to training, hence the reason I get told about the forfer situation and I followed it up and, and thankfully signed for us because he's a very, very good player, he's a good professional and he'll be good for the young boys. Callum Fordyce, as I said, was signed tonight from Queen of the South. Uh, Callum, I'm not sure if he had an option to re-sign at Queen of the South. I never really asked him that. Just we made an inquiry. His agent, a, a chap called Stuart McGregor, was excellent to deal with. And Adam, who lives in Livingston, uh, was keen to come to the club uh, and, and show the professionalism that he showed throughout his career at Dunfermline, Livingston and Queen of the South. So we were thrilled to get him. I can assure all the supporters that there is a number of other experienced players signed, but we can't announce it just now because some of them are on holiday. So, uh, and uh, there's still more to come in. Uh, regarding the split, uh, when we eventually get the remaining two or three signed up, uh, we will have 15 full-time players, which is quite a remarkable amount for a club like Airdrie that had no full-time players uh, in last uh, last month or even earlier this month. So we'll have 15 full-time players, which again, as you said, Colin, is a mixture of the academies, some young ones, some first-team players. I mean, Josh Edwards, for example, has uh, had a, a, a full-time contract given to him. And thoroughly deserved. Again, it cost the it cost the club a bit of money to to change his contract from part time to full time. But we are delighted to have him in a full time contract because we feel at his age, nineteen, he can develop. Uh, and Callum has signed tonight, so he he's into the full time setup. Callum, Callum will be full time. There's no point going through everyone that 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 that's full time. We've got a, a wee mixture of, mm -hmm. for example, Curtis Roberts that joined us from Queens Park, a talented uh, young lad who, who was Queens Park's Player of the Year last season. Curtis has said, well, Curtis is part time, but he'll be able to come in one extra day. Uh, because he, his work commitments allow him. So Curtis will be in the three days. What you know, it's the same with Dean Hawkshaw as well. Dean had started a new job, but he's able to come in one day a week, probably a Friday. So Dean will be training three instead of everyone else training the kind of four. So we're just working around it, and you know, and and, and see where it takes us. Uh, but. You know, all these guys have made a commitment to the club and the club have made a commitment to them as well. It's worth pointing out the support that I have had from from, from the club, the directors of the club, has been outstanding. Uh, and that's not to be forgotten, really. You know, and, and, and let's hope we all get the rewards of it. Uh, 
uh, in the, in the not too distant future. That's good. It's not urgent unless there's some controversy. You've already given statements or spoken about uh, Chris O'Neill and Leighton McIntosh, but is it worth just touching on touching on each of those to give you a chance to kind of give your side of the story of what happened there? Well, I think I have repeated it before, Colin, but absolutely no problem. Uh, let's start with, with, with Chris. Chris O'Neill was a player that the manager was keen to keep and Unfortunately, he was injured towards the end of the season, so he never played, I think, the last five or six games of the season. So, uh, although I was waiting till after the last league match against Stranraer to, to speak to everybody, it was worth speaking to Chris because he wouldn't be playing again this season. So, I spoke to Chris, we had a chat, and I said, we would like to keep you, this is what I can give you. And he said, oh, I was looking for more than that. I says, all right, I'm awful sorry, but, you know, I'm giving you, I'm giving you, a, and again, I'll not get into figures because that's private, 12.5% increase on the salary that, that he had for the past year, the contract that he signed under the previous manager. Mm-hmm. So I think in any walk of life, I think if we, any of us get a 12.5% increase, then I think we'd be happy. Unfortunately, Chris decided that that wasn't enough for him and he wanted to explore these options, which he was well entitled to do. Uh, we were disappointed. We gave him three weeks to make a decision and the decision was he came back and couldn't commit himself to the contract at that time. So he moves on and he moves on with our best wishes. He's a nice lad. Uh, I know he's ended up at Stenish Muir. Uh, with the greatest respect, some of the comments... Uh, <laughs> That, that 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 came on, you know, social media. I'm sure, you know, they're maybe a wee bit embarrassed about them now, because I know the figures, and the important people at the club also know the figures. So I think there's a wee bit of embarrassment maybe there. But listen, life is far too short. You move on. We wish the lad all the very best, and because he, he did well for Airdrie, and we hope he does well for Stenhousemuir. Uh, regarding Leighton McIntosh, again, pretty straightforward. Leighton McIntosh had agreed a new deal for this coming season. He'd verbally agreed it, and the next two or three days after he had agreed it, uh, we were sending him the forums to complete. Let me, let me point out here that that any any existing player that agrees a new contract, not new signings or anything like that, but any existing player that has agreed a new contract or an extension to their contract for the last 10 years or so has always been mentioned on the website that they've they've agreed to sign. I am told this is the first time that someone has reneged on on what they they agreed to do. that appeared on our website and basically Leighton got in touch with the manager to say, oh, I see it on the website. I've decided uh, I've changed my mind. So so Leighton changed his mind. Again, don't wish him any badness at all. He did well for Airdrie last season. Uh, I've no idea where he's going to. Uh, the greatest respect, 
not really that bothered where he's going to. Uh, all I know is he's not going to be an Airdrie player this coming season, and that was his choice. So a little bit disappointing that he's reneged on, on the verbal agreement that he had. Uh, so something's obviously come up, and just a pity he never told us about it. I have changed the, 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 the structure now, Colin, from the point of view that, you know, it must be signed. The papers must be signed before we announce anything. I doubt what they told us. Uh, that's life. You just got on with it. In terms of your role, just some questions that we had. This was more so before we were supposed to speak last time around. But uh-huh. division of labour. So between you and Ian Murray, is there a clear lines for who does what in terms of do you source players or is it a joint effort or does he tell you I want this type of player? No, it's pretty straightforward, you know. No, no player will come into the club without the manager's consent. Simple as that, Colin. Now, unfortunately, fortunately for for Ian, as my knowledge in recent years of all the Scottish League players and all the reserve players is, is something that he can tap into. Ian's been in Norway for a couple of years, so he wasn't quite up to speed. He will be in the next year or so up to speed with all the players. So, again, I suppose Ian had to, to rely and, and depend on me uh, for my recommendations. But it's very it's very much to the benefit of Airdronians Football Club. You know, if Ian hands me a list of five, six players that he would like to sign, I'll most certainly work my way through that list on his behalf. I'll also, as you know me, I'll have an opinion on each player, you know, and, and, and it's up to Ian whether he listens, listens to that opinion or not. I would certainly hope he would. But ultimately, you know, you reach an agreement and and the player player either comes to the club or or we don't pursue that, that initial interest but all players that come to the club are, the manager decides to be totally honest uh, but as you've said a few times already you know my knowledge of the recruitment and, and, and what I was involved in uh, I'm sure is a huge asset to Ian as it was to the Stranraer and the Dumbarton manager and the Ross County manager previous. So, uh, but I'll help him any way I can. It's up to me as director of football to give him the tools and the resources to do the job. Something that I didn't have at Clyde. But <laughs> then again, you know, we'll make sure that Ian's got that to, to so he can coach the players and 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 hopefully get the best out of the players. And you've mentioned already that Eden's full time. How about yourself? Are you are you full time? Oh no 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 oh no no no. <laughs> yeah, I'm, it's it's a full time part time job. It's probably the best way to describe it, Colin. Yeah, it's a very busy time at that naturally uh, during the kind of close season with regards to recruitment. Uh, but no, I'm I'm happy to be part time in a part time role. But again fully focused and 100% committed to the club. You're not taking the job if you didn't feel that we could achieve something so um, let's finish on a, a positive. What excites you about the job and what are you enjoying getting stuck into since you've arrived? What excites me about the job is my hometown club. It's the club I want to be at. I get a buzz every time I walk through the doors of the stadium. Uh, I want to I, I want to be successful, not so much for myself, but for the club. We are a sleeping giant. We've been 
you know, far too long in this division. It would be great if we could try and get out of this division. I've also, you know, the the the, the support I'm getting around me, the network that the club have got means that you know we will get success we will get success and maybe mean small steps initially especially this season with with Falkirk being in the league Wraith Rovers will continue to be a threat when Trose who did excellent last season will continue to be there Dumbarton you would expect to be better than what they were last season Peterhead and Clyde have come up so that will make it a stronger league I firmly believe it will be a much stronger league than what it was last season which means that we've got to, to step up to the plate but uh, this is a club I want to be at and I'm absolutely thrilled every minute of every day Colin a Big thanks to Stuart Miller for all his time and to you for listening. Are you suffering from mental health issues, social exclusion, loneliness, grief or the loss of a loved one? Join the team from Back Inside the first Monday of every month at Airdrie Football Club where they welcome along anyone who feels they need some support, someone to listen to them or just to have a cup of tea. They'll be there from 7pm until 10pm and they look forward to seeing you. The evening is free of charge and if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to contact the team at info at backonside.com Back Onside Support through sport <laughs>